This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling uh, i used to like professional wrestling and then while i was waiting for chris i watched nxt uk but anyways this is shake the ropes yeah it comes I, and goes in waves for me hawkins i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrito i watched that world of darkness match and i i just hated myself for a while but that might come up in the lazy river i don't know uh yeah rest in peace to comic artist george perez who had a significant, he died uh, yesterday, uh, significant uh, influence on my childhood because my dad, when he found I was getting interested in comics, picked up two comic books, Crisis on Infinite Earths 1 and 2. The guy said, hey, these are going to be a big deal. He was correct. Irony is that while George Perez was trying to get rid of multiverses in the DC universe, now Marvel has a movie coming out this weekend all about the multiverse. And they want them, so they. Oh, like I, to- I think we are entering into a new genre of multiverse writing based off of uh, what's that? Everything, everywhere, all everything, at once. all at once. Yeah, yeah. Having that be be successful, and then this, and like also the fact that like the kind of collective writing trends out of the big studios like they like time travel stuff they like it's, alternate reality yeah because, so multiver- because everybody's unhappy with their lives and no stuff well like and that. it also allows you to for writing teams to basically hit the proverbial reset yeah, button retcon. whenever they want yep like yes retcon, whatever. you can you convince russo and do the page one rewrite whenever you want <laughs> deus uh, ex machinas all over yep, the place all yeah. over the place and you could just explain it all the way by the the multiverse oh, oh, oh. i i am I'm not thrilled about this cultural trend, Hawkins. No, I, I'm not. Either. Well, Crisis on Infinite Earths was interesting because this is 1985, I believe. And DC knew they had a problem. So we got this guy to blame, huh? Well, no, no, He's no. He's the no. architect. No, no, he tried to fix I'm it. I'm kidding. Uh, and then DC later undid all that. And now they have a multiverse again in some ways. But what, he, what DC realized is we have a problem because, okay, we had Superman fighting in World War II, et cetera. So now we have Superman in the modern age. But we've now we still have those older, older baby boomer fans who still like that. So we have these comic books that are set on Earth 2, which which Earth 2 was um, always 1944. And so World War Two was always going on. So you could have these classic Golden Age heroes. And then you had Earth 3 where where heroes were villains. And then you had, uh, you know, Earth S, which I think was the Charlton heroes, which was this comic book company that they had bought out, which most of those characters later became the influence for the Watchmen. They originally wanted them to be the Watchmen, but they also wanted to use them for crisis. So basically what George Perez said and, and the DC Comics editorial board said was, okay, we're going to kill off all these other Earths except the modern Earth. So we have to get rid of, you know, the Superman of the Golden Age. We have to get rid of the Hawkman of the Golden Age, you know, so that we can have all these Silver Age characters back so he tried to fix it and then like in 1999 jeff johns takes over dc and decides i liked the multiverse and all these golden age characters let's undo all that crap <laughs> because they had tried to reboot again 
by killing all the Silver Age characters off. But the problem was they replaced them with all these characters that nobody was interested in uh, with a lot of, uh, let's see, casting for type, I will say, so as I don't get in trouble. But they found that those characters were not as popular as the other ones. So they decided to bring back a multiverse so we could have all these characters again. Uh, yeah, it's just I do not like multiverse either, but I also don't like science fiction a lot, Chris. Well, okay. I like science fiction. Uh, th- this is not to say I like all science fiction. Um, I, I, but you know, I, I do generally like science fiction. I, I guess Hawkins, much like wrestling, I just want. I don't enjoy hate watching stuff. Yeah, I want anymore. Good I, 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 right. That's I, 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 I may, may, and there was a period of time where. The cathartic hate watch, the, you know, proverbial throw the popcorn at the screen watch of wrestling or, you know, like this this year, Star Trek Picard's been like unbelievably bad. There may a younger me at one point would have absolutely enjoyed how bad something like that was and like really kind of sunk my teeth into it. Kind of maybe the same way I feel about a lot like, like this NXT right now. NXT 2.0 is like pretty darn bad but i don't even get joy out of it and i I, i'm trying to figure out is it like i've just aged out of enjoying the hate watch no or or can sometimes things be bad but like not even bad to the point of being enjoyable to rag on well for for regular tv the problem is and vice has a great article about it this week is is that uh they they cleared out all the middle-aged white guys who knew how to do show running and so (laughs) So now it's a bunch of people running TV shows who have never run TV shows before and they have no idea what they're doing and, and, and they don't have that, that veteran presence to rely on. But the problem is like for Star Trek Picard, for example, that, that is being run by a middle-aged white guy. Yeah. He's just really, really, really bad. I'm not, I'm not not denying that that Picard's probably bad because it's probably just more fan service than anything else. As opposed to, mm, I, I, I wish they managed. Oh, really? to, dude, they managed to go back to the year twenty twenty four and not reference what, what's important in the canon of uh, the Bell riots. Like, there's actually <laughs> like there's an entire like if you were gonna do fan service, Hawkins. All I'm saying is you would have like written an entire season around the Bell riots that Cisco went to in you're, Deep you're, Space Nine. You're, you're getting a little in the weeds for me. I, I am not. <laughs> I am not. I'm actually. I, I'm educating. I'm. I'm Performing my unique brand of information and entertainment that I like to call <laughs> infotainment for the people. Um, you know, think about this is like Hot Pockets talk. This is my version of Hot Pockets talk. <laughs> oh, a firing across the bow at the flagship. All right, we're going to go to war with them. Yeah, that l- little battleship STR takes we're, a shot at, uh, at, at the aircraft carrier. Hell hey. yeah. They were more the Potemkin than anything. <laughs> oh, but when we last left Shake Them Ropes on a Friday afternoon on Jeff Hawkins' birthday on his way to eat a fantastic A5 Wagyu. Oh, my goodness. Uh, as, as he's uploading the show, NXT cuts come down the pike. Who was on this list, you might ask, if you don't already know? Dakota Kai, Dexter Loomis, Malcolm Bivens, Harland, Persia Parada, Drinko Anthony, Sanjana George, Raylan Devine, Mila Milani, and Blair Baldwin. The last four of those, five of those, one's a referee, and I think the other four only made may have made whatever was 205 live before. I feel like we've seen Draco Anthony. Draco Anthony, we saw drinking coffee on an NXT once and I believe on it. And then he lost his debut match. 
And we went, what was the whole point of that entire vignette? But he'd been on 205 Live. He'd been on. That's right. He got like a, 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 a like an inspiring he, vignette only yes. to come out and eat it. Yes. Only to come out and eat Persia Parada, of course, in the wife swapping <laughs> type of thing, possibly. How but, weird was that angle on spring yeah. breaking? Yeah. It's like, we. It, it's the same with the Wesley incident where it's like, we can't talk about what actually happened. No, but it we're was even wink, weirder. Wink, nod, nod to people yeah. as if they know it. Like and, and like, I, I guess we know better than to you know just slide Indy Hartwell and uh, other guy, uh, gambling man, Duke uh, Hudson. Duke Hudson, that's right. Uh, you know, middle sli- manager Duke Hudson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charming, underperforming middle manager Duke Hudson. Duke Hudson, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, like we know better than to slide those two together. But also, boy, those two seem like they've got nothing going for them now. Now that they have lost their, because the only thing Duke really had going was that couple. Yeah. And honestly, the thing that Duke had going was the odd couple relationship he was beginning to form with Dexter Loomis. Yes. That was actually on the cusp of being a not bad mid card act. I agree. And we'll get here are the names that we'll talk about because these are the names of no Harland, aka Parker Boudreaux. A lot of fanfare getting signed by WWE, aka Baby Brock. Paul Heyman, really big on him. Rumors of some attitude problems, but you know, he was on TV. He was significant in the Joe Gacy angle for a while. They cut bait on him. For a while, but but you can kind of see the writing on the walls when Joe Gacy, the motivational speaker, started becoming the focal point of matches and not the monster that he was grooming. Because, like, normally the way these storylines work is you have the undersized mastermind guy and his, like, you know, league of monsters. And when the mastermind is more the feature than the monster and the monster's not even doing much, the writing's on the wall for sure. And I think he was rushed to TV way too quick way too quick and then and then judge to be uh not very good oh sorry my phone please turn off your phones before you start podcasting everybody uh, <laughs> i mean you know just use vibrate it vibrates well, i have it on vibrate usually but my mom got her mother day package okay good uh <laughs> uh yeah um i think i think he's either gonna go into mma i mean he he dropped out of college with a year of eligibility left to come to wwe he he's very young i I don't know if he loves wrestling, but man, I could see him going to the Nightmare Factory or whatever they're calling Dustin's school and get some training. Not necessarily to sign with AEW, just to get more training and to train in other places because I think he does love wrestling. So we will see. Or he might go into MMA. He's young enough to do that. Um, big names now. Malcolm Bivens. Uh, Bivens decided he wasn't in February. He wasn't going to sign a new contract. He had had enough. Always a pleasure when he's on screen. Always funny. Cut a scathing promo at a stand-up comedy club in New York. Oh against, man! Against oh man! W- if you if you're on the FBI's most wanted list and you've shot some people at the local Popeyes, go to W go to NXT UK because they'll never find you. Oh, he just ripped into it. and it looked- I, I mean, it's stuff that you and I have known is true, but it's like, one, the delivery was great, yes. and two, it means so much more to hear it from somebody who's been inside who, I guess I'll go one step further and say, I basically trust Malcolm Bivens' viewpoint. I think that yes. the guy sees the lay of the land pretty objectively. I think he is a savvy businessman. I believe he gave up uh, a, a career in brokerage 
to go do the NXT contract. I mean, he's going to be fine. The problem for me was he said he he did he doesn't love pro wrestling anymore. He doesn't want to continue it, and that's just that's sad for me. I I mean that guy. Uh, he AEW, said, AEW sort of said needs, that AEW needs young managers. They do. Uh, look, I love the classics, but you need young guys who can take a bump. All they have right now are Jose the assistant and Mark Sterling. Um, I I I love this guy. He's funny. He can he can work if he wants to. Um, the other takeaway I got from that little stand-up promo that Malcolm did is that Julius Creed's got a good head on his shoulders. Oh yeah, the like, Creed brothers seem like yeah, the Creed brother, the Creed brothers are pretty put together dudes. Uh, and like, I mean, you you can see that in the ring too, and like just the way these guys are mature and have like stage poise in a way that is beyond their years. But like, that was the other thing that stuck out to me was just the. Malcolm clearly thinks very highly of Julius uh, in particular. It's not like he thinks poorly of Brutus or anything, but no. like, you know, he just, he mentioned Julius favorably a number of different times. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I, I because I, I think, because I think the Creed brothers, when they were matched up in this diamond mine thing, really looked at Bivens and also Roddy as guys to help guide them, to help mentor them quite a bit. And I think it, it, it's rubbed off on them and they become friends at the PC. Yeah, yeah. Dexter Loomis, probably age, but man, this dude, I think he could have gotten over on the main roster. I do, even as a mid-card act. Look, I, uh, I, I, the things that he does well, like he can still do that jump over the ropes thing. Like, mm -hmm. and so long as you've got a few little showy moves like that for the main roster style match. Look, if Ezekiel is getting over, Dexter Loomis is silent weirdo comedy. Oh my god, Dexter Loomis stalking Kevin Owens would be way better than anything they do on the main roster yes. week in, week out. Like, like if Kevin Owens was getting stalked by Dexter Loomis, um, it would be way more engaging than this Ezekiel angle. And then, and, and look, let me take a little shot at the, the, the work rate purists here, because they don't like Dexter Loomis. They think he's, ah, he's just okay, or whatever. Man, you need all kinds in wrestling, and WWE needs – they have a lot of mid-card ha-has. I get it. I get it. And a lot of their upper-card guys are really mid-card ha-has at this point. When you look at KO, Sammy, uh, uh, Seth a little bit, they're a little bit dumbed down by the ha-has. Dexter Loomis would probably be doing 24-7 work, but I think his work in NXT, even, even when it was garbage angles, he, he brought it. I thought, I mean, I, he lasted a lot He was always elevating the acts that he yes. was working with. Yes. Like, he, it, whether it was the Gargano family, like, he made that storyline, which was not great, better. Um, he, he, Yeah, no, like this Indy Hartwell, Duke Hudson thing. Duke Hudson's a crappy character. Persia Parada was a crappy character. Um, the, Balancing off of and foiling off of Dexter Loomis made the whole thing work. Indy Hartwell is a flat character. It only works because she's in love with a crazy guy, Dexter yes. Loomis. This is actually a fairly strong character. Yeah. It really is. And and I started someone who was kind of like, uh, it was a little too Sam Shawy when yeah. he first came in. Right, it was a right, little right, right. too serial killer, and then it became playful, and then it almost became, like Adam's family life. It, it like, became like, yes. Harpo Marx, really, in a lot of ways. No, he he's like. He, he went from being Sam Shaw to being closer to Gomez Adams, only yeah. never speaking. Yeah. I and, and, and I like that actually does. It lands you in this very interesting 
place. Like, you can still be menacing and scary because you've got this dark quality about you, but you can also be a sympathetic baby face because you're a total wife guy. Um, like, I, I, it's, it's not a bad character, y'all. That's all I'm saying. It really isn't. And now, my promo on Dakota Kai. This was a woman who deserved so much better than she got from this company, in my opinion. She Look, she made a lot more than the indies. Don't get me wrong. But she deserved main roster money for everything she did in this company. Uh, in a different time and place, had her timing been better, she'd have been one of the horsewomen, I think. She probably would have replaced Becky Lynch in the horsewomen, to be honest with you. Because uh, Becky wasn't... Um, Becky didn't really get uh, on the on the radar until that match with Sasha at at that one takeover. Um, but watch the first parade of champions from the Mae Young Classic. First person who gets the honor of that is Dakota Kai, and she is overcome with emotion. This is a thrill for her, and goes into NXT is kind of bootleg Bailey, admittedly. Um, Unfortunately, they, they both have very similar characters. I get it. But, you know, gets beaten down, gets beaten, gets beaten, gets beaten. Uh, comes back from an injury, gets beaten again for a while, then has possibly the most magnificent heel turn in NXT. The one at War Games where she's... she's she kicked she, Tegan she, Knox so hard oh. that she forgot her first name and just went by Knox <laughs> for several months. But... You know, that whole angle where she takes out Mia Yim in secret, replaces her in the war games. Come out, here you go. Mara Renal is on fire on this call. She turns around, boots Tegan Knox in the face. Tegan Knox is fantastic in this too. Watch her just dead body herself when she hits the cage. It is fantastic. She is slamming the door on Tegan's leg. Regal comes out. And she starts cussing at Regal, and, and you could see Regal even taken back for a second by, by how awesome she is here. I loved the team with Raquel Gonzalez. It did what it was supposed to. It got Raquel over, but I, I think they could have done a lot more with her as the brains and Raquel as the brawn for a while before they initially broke them up. But that's always the curse of the tag teams and how they do things. They use one person to get the other over. I hope. You know, a look. I know AEW is saturated with women they already don't use. I hope they use her for a few years because she deserves some money. She deserves some money because they use they used her in Royal Rumble matches to get people over and then decided, no, we don't want her on the main roster. Send her back. And, and, and not for nothing, but like AEW would 100% benefit from having someone who is can carry the belt ready like Dakota yes. Kai. It's yes. well and good to sign developing talents and all, but there are a lot of people who have been signed to that company who are just simply not ready to be at the carry, carry the a belt program. Yeah. yeah, carry a program. And Dakota Kai 100% could. Dakota Kai could come in tomorrow and face off against Serena Deeb and, or Thunder Rosa. No one would bat an eye and you'd all know the match was good. And that's like the yeah. absolute imprimatur of her quality level. Yeah, just a victim of bad timing. She was in that second generation of people that they signed or after, after the horsewomen got brought up. You know, she was a little, I think she might have been right before Asuka, maybe after Asuka. I think it was after Oscar, but yeah, that, that whole first, first group of May young classic people. I mean, they just absolutely wasted all of them with a lot of them now in AEW. Yeah. Serena, I mean, a lot, Tony, 
There's a uh, lot of victims irate. of a lot of victims of the demobilization of Triple H. Yes, yes. Um, and this is it, one of them, definitely. You know, it's very different. If you if you arrived in 2013 or 2012, you got to come up when Triple H is coming up. By 2016, 2017, Triple H is being quietly demobilized, and so are all of Triple H's projects. Health update on Big E. Tweeted out for those desirous of an update. My C1 apparently isn't healing optimally. Says I'll spend another four to six weeks in a brace in hopes that I can avoid a fusion. But don't you fret. I've got a tremendous support system. And what shall be, shall be. That is uh, not the optimistic. Not promising. No. That last line. No, I, I, I'm at peace with all outcomes. This is never a good place to be. No, I, I have. I mean, mentally it is, but it's also not right. Even, even with a fusion, I have doubts now that he might wrestle again because that's just too much of a risk. I know he will want to, but um, let's hope that this other four to six weeks does something and he gets a bit of a medical miracle if he wants to come back to wrestling. Uh, contracts expiring all over the place. Stu Grayson. Contract expired with AEW, one half of the former Super Smash Brothers with evil player Uno. He was evil player Dose originally, then was just going by Stu Grayson. Candice LeRae's contract with NXT has expired. She is now a free agent. Uh, I think she's happy being a mother. I'm not sure, so sure she's ready to get back in the ring just yet. And then Willie Mack has allowed his, his contract to expire with Impact. He wants to go work the indies some more. Any thoughts on any of those, Chris? Willie Mack is a guy who I it always is very good at connecting with audiences, and he's still, even though he's got obviously a reputation on the indies, he's still relatively unknown on bigger screens. Um, so I don't know, you know, he's going worth the indies, but like, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to me to see him kind of show up in an AEW or whatever and be a, a credible mid card challenger guy, like for the TNT title or something like that. Stu Grayson is an interesting one to me because that guy is undervalued. He really is. He is. Um, he really is. He's quite good. And he's Canadian. And I think his work visa is tied to AEW. So I don't know if he's going back to his shoot job to do it. Um, I had an interesting conversation on the Dynamite show uh, this week with, with Paul Fontaine there. And it's, I think it's also a thing of right now in AEW, we're getting to that point where guys were overpaid to start with AEW and now they're being asked to take a pay cut, I think. And it's a, it's an interesting proposition because you want to work and you want to work in a main company, but once they give you less money than you were making before there's writing on the wall. And even if there's not writing on the wall, I think the the harder part is when you go across the board and you start going, oh, we got to do a pay cut for you. We got to do a pay cut for you. We got to do a pay cut for you and that sort of thing. It's not that the company's financially hurting. I just think it does a number on morale. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe this is more realistic for what market value is for these guys. And so it's not like they're undervaluing them, but in fact, for the first time, appropriately valuing them rather than overvaluing them. However, I still think that like, getting told you're worth 25, 30% less than you were, you know, the last time around is a shot across the bow. Um, and, it and is, I, but let me, let me give the pro for that. You're making more than you would in the Indies. Right. No, no. I, I, and I get that too. I, I, I think you, and I think 
the mature adult can understand both of those things yeah. concurrently and still be a little salty. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. It sounds it sound like on one of those BTEs, he cut a promo on the company during the negotiations and that they weren't going well. So we'll see what happens there. I, you know, Candace could, you know, could be the joker in this in this women's tournament, but I don't think she is. There are other people who are out there who are in more ring shape, and I think she's really enjoying motherhood. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But AEW also announcing a reality show coming to TBS. Hard pass for me, Chris. I do not want to see a worked reality show on AEW. If it were real, if it were interesting, if it was the if it were the you know inner workings of a wrestling company, maybe okay, I could see myself watching that. If you know, even just following uh, their chief of legal, Mega Parekh, who is possibly the bravest and most interesting woman. <laughs> who works for them i i think i told you this one you just she's, like because she's a babe she's a babe but she's a smart babe she's a tough babe gr- granted granted but you you want a tv show with a babe yes i do it. but yeah. but you know the sexual assault thing i mean it was and she's come back and just i i i like her a lot um yeah i i, I don't want this i don't want dramatic bte though that's what i don't want i don't want you know well i went to tony khan and asked for this match and he said that i had to do that you know those types of things i don't want that in a reality show i want a real reality show yeah i i just can't imagine having interest in watching tony khan being a reality television character yeah um, i can't uh, no, it, to be honest no no i i mean the only thing that that will be good for is the bad tony khan acting moments because he's like a very very bad actor and he's got like a very he's got kind of a deliciously hard to listen to voice too yes. that does not carry certain things and very he has well a cer- and he has a certain sp- <laughs> crazy eyes thing going yeah right all the, and, uh, all the time it's like it's like the harpo mark style crazy yeah. eyes almost <laughs> we've now dropped harpo marks twice on this podcast yeah for sure <laughs> for great. sure yeah and, and, and in my defense of mega prick i like i like high achieving women can't help it uh <laughs> uh the forbidden door pre-sale sold out in under 40 minutes and the rest of the tickets sold out the next day and i believe under 30 People want to see this show, Chris, without knowing a card. Joe Land's a rule in effect for me. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I think maybe this is a. I spent two years inside ish because of COVID and being a little more wary about doing public events, and this is the first good thing I've seen possibly across my stratum in a while. But I, I think. I, I, I think there are going to be people who are going to leave that show going, huh? Well, well at least we got to see, they'll, they'll be talking themselves into it being a great card. I think I, cause I don't, I, I think I'm with you. I think there's going to be a little bit middling with a lot of mixed, ta- a lot of multi tag matches. And I think we're going to get like one really great match out of it. As opposed to, I think people want like three or four great. Right. I think people are going to tell themselves that that and one I don't mean singles by match. Rate. I mean, by, by star power. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think people are gonna tell them that that one match made the whole night worth it. Yeah, and, and I, if it's I a think, main event, it might. I mean, it, it just it, might. It, 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 it might. It yes, might. It might. But uh, I mean, look, uh, you know, try to just grade these cards consistently. Yeah. Like, would you would you watch a WWE show, see one good match, and a whole bunch of middling crap, and say that was a great show worth going to? Probably mm-hmm. not. We'll get to backlash later. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Fightful reporting that Tessa Blanchard gone from women of wrestling. Uh, the rumor is that, uh, 
something happened during a promo class where she went off on somebody and that was just the last straw. Uh, it is time for me to give up the ghost. It is time for me to give up that Tessa Blanchard will be able to be the star that I think her work rate deserves. She is a fantastic in-ring talent. Uh, and and it's, she's just not learning the interpersonal work. Yes. And st- she's not. And, and, and there have been a lot of opportunities. Yes, that's I, the I, thing. Once, I, it, once is a mistake. Twice you can say it's a, it's, it can be forgotten. Three times right. is a pattern. And, I, and, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, too, is it's, you just always have to look at the individual and go, like, does this actually feel like an individual who's really trying to get it on the right track? Or is this an individual who's getting chances? And yeah. There's two, yeah, I'm all for giving the individual who's trying to get it on the right track more chances. I am not for just giving chances. Um, and it feels like Blanchard has been just getting chances. As I say, she was raised by Magnum, but she's still Tully's kid. And there's a lot of Tully in her, unfortunately, because Tully would burn bridges like there's no tomorrow. I hope she gets her mind right. I hope she takes, I mean, she's 26, she still has time. But there has to be a come to Jesus thing here. No, I mean, and, and at this point, there almost needs to be four or five years away from the biz, train, refocus, kind of hit the reset button on this. Because for the last, like, six years or so, you have been pushing people the wrong way. There's people, nowhere to go other than maybe control your narrative. Or maybe right, and, 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 not, and, not, and not for nothing, but going to control your narrative is kind of a stigmatizing business move. Although... There is something on the horizon. Freddie Prince Jr. is saying he wants to start a wrestling company. Details are he wants to start it in 18 months. He wants a two-hour show. He has the money for a three-year plan. <laughs> Storylines based in reality. Men and women given equal time. Wants to own the space they're filming in. <laughs> wants to be a SAG show. Okay. And no TV contract as of yet. Owning the space. And being a SAG show are going to be money burners in here. I believe Macaulay Culkin will probably be involved in some way as well. They are good friends of both big wrestling guys. I don't, this is saturation. We are at the saturation point and look, there are people out there, but they're all cast offs from somewhere else right now. It's I mean, you can get some young. You, you would need consolidation from like impact control your narrative. There's enough people out there and, and especially some castaways from uh, MLW a, a, as well. And, and, and castaways from AEW yeah. and WWE here eventually like, you know, I, I it, you could certainly see the makings of stuff like, you know, give me Braun Strowman and Malcolm Bivens as a main event heel act. I, I, I can yeah. I can make some things work. Um, SAG in my head, is interesting to me. SAG means that they're going to probably get, I mean, as I said, a couple of years ago on the ask us anything, I was talking about, you know, whether I thought a company could ever unionize. I think there needs to be a carve out for professional wrestling as a special kind of performer. Cause otherwise you're giving, I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, Chris, when I say this, but it is a money burn. You give them a check as a on-screen actor. And then you also have to give them a check as a stunt performer in here. Right. Right. Yeah. That's gonna, I mean, unless you're playing paying day rate and you're not making anybody principals or anything like that, that, and if you make them principals that escalates every year, this is an interesting gambit. And that also will mean that the, everybody else on these crews will also be 
Hollywood union types. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but one of the, one of the things that kept uh, Lucha underground in business was, I believe that was strictly non-union. Yeah. Um, the union stuff, I, I mean, I, look, uh, I, I think that these performers should. Yes. It's always been, it's, it's, but it's complicated. I, I, I think you make a good point here. It's, it's like, philosophically, what is a professional wrestler in my head? And, and I, I know I'm not like innovating anything here. It is this like weird, like 70, 30 balance between a stunt performer primarily, but also an actor secondarily. Um, but to your point, there are certain things uh, that wrestlers are doing that I just simply wouldn't consider to be like, you know, like acting in the same way or whatever. Right. Like, like, like it, it is, it's much closer to stunt performer, but yeah, you, you, you stunt performer who gets a few lines, <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, like stunt performer who like works. Is it like a, a talking extra cameo extra? Yeah. Yeah. But, right? but there's also that sport aspect of it where, you know, boxers cut promos too, but they're not considered actors. So this is right. This, so right. that's why I think there needs to be a weird cutout. And the problem here is, I think, when I was talking about WWE doing this, is that Vince would be the one writing, you know, all of, all of the union rules, pretty much. Of no, I, I think where where this would be good is if the stuntmen union helped the wrestlers make their own union. Yeah, so I think this, so. Yeah. That this is an adjunct that's a of great the stunt. Yeah, I yeah, never the, thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I thought. Okay. No, uh, no, that's all, that's all I got. Just I, I think wrestlers should be an adjunct of the step, the stuntman union, kind of folded in there, but but also under their own separate tranche because they are different. Two hour show and women get an hour of it. Okay. There's not a lot of women out there right now that you can take. I mean, you might be able to get, uh, you know, the Marty Bells and the Siennas of uh, the, the the issue is going to be is that week in week out going to be a good watchable hour of yes, television in too. both dialogue delivery and in ring work um cuz ju- just go, you know if i wanted to make a dallas wrestling promotion right just me going around the neighborhood and going do you want to be a dallas wrestler um and just th- throwing people in a ring every week for an hour it might make an uh, an interesting curiosity for a week or two, but like that's also not an engaging show the way you want to do. <laughs> I, I just you, love storylines based in reality, and that's, uh, that's the one that I'm, I, I'm cracking always up because I me pause. I'm thinking about an angle starting because of the Ukraine conflict. You know, like like you know, Sergeant Spetnaz is is currently here in the Federation. Susie Rowe versus Jane Wade tonight. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, and and anytime they always say that means it, it, they usually just go back to skits. And Freddie Prince Jr. is a product of the WWE system, so I mean, look, you, you give me trash talking as opposed to skits, I'm cool with it. It's it's just I'm I have concerns. No, yeah, the what market you, is oversaturated. And, and what you people like you and I want to read there instead of reality based storylines is something much more like sports based presentation. Yes, thank you. Vice coming back at the Wrestling Observer say that they will be continuing Dark Side of the Ring for a fourth season. They didn't say when because it was not listed this year when they had released the schedule. Wrestling Observer had reported the show wasn't continuing when it was not listed on the schedule for the year, nor had there been any talks about episodes being filmed for the year as well. There were rumors that the WWE had pushed back on certain criticisms of, say, the Plane Ride from Hell episode, as well they probably should. But the people from Dark Side are doing work for this Territories show with The Rock as executive producer. Mm-hmm. They said, <laughs> I have, 
I have concerns because I, I don't like the rocks creative, uh, creative calls but uh they said they are committed as ever to the series and that evan husney and jason eisner are hard at work making more content that we know our fans of the series will love look this is a this wrestling stuff is a boon for vice it really is more people watch these shows than any other program on vice dark side of the ring has a certain uh tabloidy quality to it i think they'll probably get into the same with this territory show as well because the uh the the titillation shall we speak is the real draw at yeah time. it's like the grit i mean it and, and it's weird but like in a post kayfabe world i think the thing that people are interested in is the drama behind the drama and not the actual drama on here's the buck zoom off and his <laughs> underage girls and you know there, there are some real creeps who worked on the territory circuit they have plenty of material to mine if they wanted buzz sawyer <laughs> is one a lot of sketchy things grizzly well they did grizzly smith i mean grizzly smith's a creep but yeah this territory show i'm just worried because rock likes his stuff light and fluffy so i'm thinking it's gonna be light and fluffy for a channel called vice yeah i mean that would be a mistake but we'll see and maybe it continues to do good numbers who knows WWE quarter one earnings. WWE said business records in quarter one, which included a Saudi Arabia show and the Royal Rumble, but did not include the two days of WrestleMania, which is interesting. The company took in $333 million in revenue and had a $66 million, $41,000 profit. First quarter last year with no live events or Saudi Arabia show did 263.5 million in revenue and 43.8 million in profits. Numbers beat the Wall Street estimates of 325 in revenue and 50 in profits. On this call, they said they already have more potential buyers interested than at any point in company history, which would indicate the ability to garner significant, if not massive, increase from the 495 million for the three shows on the current deal. He said that new entrants to the marketplace and the incumbents, NBC Universal and Fox, are expected to make offers. This is uh, Nick Khan talking. He said he believed Netflix would start bidding on live sports because of the advertising revenue that they could make. He said Apple TV has been exploring live sports for almost two years and aggressively went after the NHL package. They're going to get the NFL Sunday ticket package, which disappoints me. <laughs> That's me editorializing. And we'll be having Friday night exclusive baseball games this season. He noted Amazon Prime has exclusive Thursday night football rights starting in September and recently signed an MMA deal with one. They are going to work this into making even more money. I I am amazed at it. They they are they are Teflon, Chris. They they will go to you and say whatever and say that this product will bring in revenue and viewers, and they're probably right. It's weird. Uh, it like, is. It, it's no. It's it's just like it will bring in viewers, but then like. There are these random indicators or whatever that like this is not actually that good of an uh, an additional rating or like viewer draw. Um, I I saw ratings numbers maybe it was a couple weeks ago where well the NBA playoffs are killing everybody. No, no, there's that, but I but it it was not actually domestic in this case. Um, okay. it was it was like WWE like was on a different network in Canada or whatever, and like Raw's numbers were like garbage i believe they're on tsn in canada 
Yeah, they went on. I mean, they, they were on a different network for, and like basically no one tra- like this. Like this idea that like we have this really strong brand, or audience needs to find us everywhere. I, I don't. I just am very unconvinced of this. Um, I, I, it seems to me like the passion for this company is less now than five years ago. And, and I mean, you know, on uh, to plug the website here this week, there's a great retrospective. I think it's a Patreon paywall thing. Um, you know, so calibrate that into your uh, viewership but like uh there's great retrospective on when wwe changed from wwf to wwe and the correlating like interest drop that happened fairly sharply after that but it sort of steadily occurred i mean this company stays solvent but sort of it's like in despite of itself like i mean let me ask this because this is the fascinating part of that i know we're i mean look streaming Streaming is in a little disarray right now because the, 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 the haves have a lot and the people trying to be disruptors don't. And Netflix taking that dive off of half a million subscriptions canceling. I could see Netflix overpaying and WWE actually being the poison pill that kills Netflix. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, like this. Like Netflix buys Netflix, a lot of crap products. No, and and, and, they, they, and they got it. They got to shake it up a little bit. They got. They, 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 you're right. They've got to shake it up a because little bit because they have no in-house stuff. They need in-house. They need in-house. Yeah. The thing that's changed under Netflix's feet over the last decade is the rise of all of these individualized content mills and creators basically creating the new online version of network television um, by creating subscription services that if you were going to have them all would cost you like as much as your cable bill used to at the worst days. Um, And that happened under Netflix's feet without them really, I mean, occasionally they'd sort of like push against it, right? Like Stranger Things would come out or Tiger King would come out, but it wasn't. They'd they'd occasionally hit on something. They'd They'd hit on something. Squid Game. Yep, Squid Game. Yeah, they just—it's they, they, like they—they have not nearly had enough of those. And I could see them going, "Okay, we need to start getting stuff in house. We need live stuff so we can put some live on stuff." Here. Yeah, well, no, you know, they're not wrong on that though. I don't. They're think. not. They—they they wouldn't be wrong on that move. Like, like they—they they do need to change their business model. I don't think they're a dead company. I really don't. But like, um, they—they they do need to. They would need to get a WWE, and and frankly. I will be interested. I mean, maybe WWE is able to okie doke a big network like Fox or MSM or NBC again. Um, but maybe other companies start to realize that, like, for the money that WWE is asking, you could put together other content and get the exact same value for dollar. I think so. I think Fox is probably going to be the one that gets out. I think NBC really likes the relationship. Although the Peacock thing, I've heard rumblings that that WWE may take. The, they they are not happy with the Peacock presentation of their of their archives and stuff like that. No, nor should they be. No. Nor should they be. It's terrible. Yeah, uh, I, actually, and that's where Netflix could really help them yes. out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it, I'll, I'll put you this way. Um, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value 
a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network we have never actually seen a well-made wwe network and if netflix partnered with WWE, this this is like super conjectural. But like, if they partner with WWE and actually gave them a Netflix level of archivization of WWE's content and made it so that you could really go through a wrestling database and watch all this classic territory stuff and everything, like they had the fullness of WWE's wrestling library. They really cataloged this well. With yeah, a lot if, of, if they did, if yeah. they did a kick-ass job on that. That really could create a nice little niche fan base for them. I agree. And uh, to end the the news, uh, a light story. Stephanie McMahon says that they are working on a WWE RPG role-playing game. I'm a big fan of RPGs. I I, I can't wait to make different character classes like um, Raw Manager. Uh, No no, no character nearly as fun. I can't wait to use my plus two broadsword and have who... uh, have the computerized dungeon master saying I need to be six foot four and that he's also changing my name in the middle of a battle. <laughs> oh, so you're gonna be playing as Drew McIntyre, I'm I guess. gonna be playing as Drew McIntyre and they will be and they will be they'll change my name to like Mac Zaphod Beeblebrox or whatever they want to call it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm looking forward to being Butch. Are you Yeah, yeah. Oh, Chris, many have said you're already. <laughs> mm. 
No. Uh, no, they, uh, not, they, they do not understand my life. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll do it for the news. Uh, Chris, tell us about HelloFresh. Okay. Hawkins, this week, our sponsor is HelloFresh. Now, you might find yourself asking yourself, Hawkins, HelloFresh. <laughs> you say that occasionally, Chris. I have no idea what that is. Hawkins, pay attention for once in your life. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh. Pre-portioned ingredients, tell you this all the time, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy. Cooking. Hawkins, that's the thing where you put the food in your mouth. You have to, you have to heat the food. But it's fun. This can be fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Get farm fresh seasonal produce. Easy to make recipes delivered right to your door every week. You might look outside right now, Hawkins, and notice that it is summer. Summer is a season. There is produce specific to that season that is occurring, and you could get it through HelloFresh. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week. They move pretty quickly. These are these are fast-moving ingredients. They always arrive fresh, yes. all without a trip to the grocery store or the farmer's market. I hate the farmer's market. It's so many Do smelly farms. No, the farmers there smell awful. And they are rude, have horrible manners, and ugly beards. Uh, it's all about <laughs> convenience with HelloFresh. I thought you just N- weren't a fan of patchouli or something. No, 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 no. It's it, I, Farmers, they disgust me. Not only do the <laughs> ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table in a snap with options like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. Uh, we, of course, had an opportunity several months ago to try a HelloFresh meal kit. Uh, Hawkins and I were able to squeeze several meals out of a... Uh, oh, port- Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were good. Yeah, like, you know, and you can obviously follow the recipe card the first time. You have some leftover ingredients. Maybe you get creative the second time around. What, what's kind of fun, you know, for someone like me is thinking about, like, okay, I've got all this stuff. Maybe I've got a few extra things here. Cool, I whip up a completely different and new and novel recipe, and that's really exciting. And it's it's a fun way to stick it to the farmers who have been holding me down for way too long. So if you want to try HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16, that's VOW16, the way Hawkins likes to say it, Mm -hmm. and use that code for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16, use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Stick it to the farmers. Bougie Chris, stick it to the farmers. They know nothing. Read a book. (laughs) We are now going to the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Whatever crossed our mind, whatever, whatever we watched, and it's been a long week. We've gotten through two rampages. I'll get to one in a second. But since we are on the beach of the lazy river, it is, as usual, time for our pay-per-view slash special event preview. There is one this week. WrestleMania Backlash, a.k.a. WrestleMania Run It Backlash. Six matches currently scheduled, but I assume they're probably going to stick a women's tag somewhere in here. We'll give our predictions and what we think will happen. This is a nothing show. I'm going to tell you that right now. I would wait for it and then see if anything great came from it. Because no, and, and real, real quickly, Hawkins, I just want to give my uh, review on Raw this week. It was terrible. Continue. I did. I did the fightful post show. If you want to hear me deconstruct every single segment, dude, it was so. Of this like, show. I, I could get granular, but like, guys, this is a terrible three-hour product. Bad, terrible show, and we, we were really, cracking really wise. Shaw Ross Sapp and I went out 
out on a couple. So go download me on Fightful this week because uh, we were in rare form. <laughs> Starting off with Bobby Lashley versus almost with MVP in a singles match set up by a, an actual arm wrestling match that was actually completed. Interesting. Uh, and of course, a, an appearance from Cedric Alexander to get his butt kicked. So <laughs> I'm going to say that almost wins this by interference. And this feud must continue because yep, Lashley yep. won at mania. Yep. That's it. That's where I got this going too. Uh, that we, we're not done pushing Omos, even though Omos is uh shaky wakey. A little bit of personality. This he's past, got, right? he's not absent charisma. He's absent in ring skill. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, uh, he actually does. He's got a thing charisma wise but no he just is not any good in the ring but i i i think he wins this match happy corbin versus madcap moss in a singles match i'm starting uh, to like madcap moss yeah madcap mania is running wild i think <laughs> is he gonna replace your slapjack love no okay no no i it, it, i'm a loyal guy i, I i've got ideals in ideology <laughs> And you virtues, hate yeah, passions, guess. yeah, okay, because they are rootless. They, 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 they have, <laughs> they have no, they're Those no ruthless. ruthless. No, they're not ruthless. They're rootless. They have no, no they have no values, no they're virtues. Homos? The, the, like they just they drift freely. Like like these the, the, hobo farmers. That's yeah, no, it, 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 it's it's not. It, when I say that they're, <laughs> they're not drifters like that, I'm saying morally. They're just when when, you, when you're talking about people who just have no moral fiber. Farmers <laughs> are very close to the top of the list. Them and like bankers would be basically the two most uns- lawyers, like you know, uh, ambulance chasers, that sort of thing. Uh, right up there with farmers in terms of ruthless. Let me, let me announce know. this. This show feels like a heat show. This feels like, and I don't mean Sunday. Sunday night. night. Oh, I thought you meant Sunday night. No, heat. no. This feels like we're gonna get heat on all these angles we've been doing, and we're gonna have all the heels win, save for one. So, and like, so I'm Corbin with, wins and I'm Moss. Thinking, I'm thinking yeah. Corbin wins by some chicanery, and this feud must continue. AJ Styles versus Edge singles match. Damian Priest is banned from ringside. That means Damian Priest is going to show up and price. No, it doesn't. It means that there's going to be a new person who debuts as part of Edge's society. Champa or Rhea? Rip. Exactly. But yeah, no, AJ's losing. Okay. But yes, AJ's losing. Fine. We'll go with that. We're both in agreement. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Cody got the big win at Mania. I think Seth wins this. And I think we're all going to go, what the F? Yep. I, I think even worse, Seth is going to win this clean. It's going to be really oh, confusing. No. Oh, no. Yeah. God. Yeah, because this is going to be a rivalry, Hawkins. Oh, jeez. In an I Quit match for the WWE SmackDown women's title, Charlotte Flair against Ronda Rousey. Don't think this will be Flair funk I Quit by any stretch of the imagination, but this is where I think the one babyface wins. I think Ronda Rousey wins this, and we get the overbearing presence of Ronda Rousey as SmackDown women's champion. Yeah, um, I, she wants to be a babyface, and I think that the, they're obligated. I, they might even be contractually obligated to try, uh, and they're going to make her the champion. We'll see what happens. I take it back now because I thought the six-man tag was going to be for winner-take-all. It does not appear to be that way, but Drew McIntyre and RK Bro versus the Bloodline. So it's originally going to be a singles match for Roman against somebody and the tag team unification match. 
they have now taken all the coolness out of this match by making it a normal, I guess, number one on Raw. They start out with the forecast calls for bedlam. No, the forecast calls for pain. Uh, it, it rhymes with rain. That's why they do the line, WWE. <laughs> and then and then they go uh, after after that first thing where they did, like, I thought the, uh, I thought the RKOs out of nowhere to start the show were awesome. I thought that was a nice start. But then, then uh, Byron decides to sell this. Well, if it was like this for just the beginning of Raw, can you imagine what the main, main event at Backlash is going to be like? And you're like, it's a standard six-man tag. They didn't make it even a, a tornado match of any kind. It's a standard six man tag. And it's it wasn't like chaos. that little it wasn't like that little jump at the beginning then spilled out all over the arena yeah. and was a wraparound bit yeah. through the entirety of the show where but like you literally the chaos. They're I, I mean, the chaos. no, if because if you want to do that, it's like what you need to do is basically have it where the bloodline and uh, RK Bro and Drew McIntyre can't keep their hands off of each other all night, and they keep running into each other in back, like basically every half hour or so. Like you see, like Jimmy Uso and Matt Riddle going at it. Eventually, Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns square off somewhere in the back, like, like just the animosity going at a fever pitch. Um, like the story has not progressed with the bloodline either it's just ridiculous they're no not, they're not consolidating power they're not going after anything they're just this so here's my pick i think drew and rk bro win this and i think roman walks out on the usos and it starts quote unquote tension that wouldn't be a bad way for them to go just because they've clearly run out of ideas on how to make the bloodline interesting that's unfortunate i don't think it has to be that way but like dude they don't i'm if any it does feel like the beginning of the end for the bloodline um, where they'll, they'll come up short, which is amazing because, like, you know, you, you you look at the RK Bro Act and always go, it's an act that's destined to have Randy turn on Matt Riddle. But, like, who knows when that's going to be at this point. And that'll do it for us on, on Backlash. Now we're going to go to the actual Lazy River. I'm gonna God, start. that's going to be a really bad show, Hawkins. I'm skipping it until they tell me something good was on. Yeah, no, I will be, like, listening to a recap of it uh, yeah. and reading some reviews because I, I just I'm, – I, I've – from summarizing it, I see I've I've heard nothing that we've talked about that I would feel like I need to see to better understand. I could read the results of it and completely in my head make whatever that matches, and it would be pretty much accurate. Yeah, I agree. Uh on my lazy river, the first thing I'm gonna start with is something uh uh age age old, so I can get rid of it. It was from the rampage from last week, Chris, and I've I'm really angered by segments but did, did you get to watch that one the uh, Samoa Joe versus Trent Beretta main event rampage or no I did not no okay so let me let me tell you what happened here they're doing the Mark Henry thing and they got both guys out there for a promo and Samoa Joe's basically saying he's gonna he's gonna hit Trent Beretta really really hard and now Trent Beretta has 30 to 45 seconds to get himself over on national ty- on national television and this is what he says Chris Samoa Joe, you may think I'm the underdog, but I'm not. That was his promo, Chris. That was the promo. You had 30 to 45 seconds. uh, You know, a lot of people need a lot of words, right? Like, what's the knock on CM Punk? So much talking. Uh, Trent Beretta manages to get his whole point across in about seven or eight words. I think they were doing this for <laughs> irony and, and comedy because it was Orange Cassidy and Chuck flanking him and Chuck's all hype saying, new champ, 
and Orange Cassidy's just standing there. But my God, I could, I find Trent Beretta. He he is Trent Vanilla. I mean, he is Vanilla in the ring to me because every match he does kind of has. The, I mean, he's solid. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot like my criticism of Wheeler Yuta. I was just saying solid. he's a lot like Adam Cole for me. Adam what? Cole in some ways for some people. He has his match. It's a very good match. It never escalates to something heated. It never feels like there's some sense of urgency with but it. But you could never make the argument that it's a bad match. Correct. That he's not. Because if you did that, you're crazy. Like, like, you don't like it, but they're not bad. But this uh, is a company yeah. that needs promos and it needs personality. And he gives me that. And I was just, I, I threw my controller. I was that mad. I don't get mad at, at TV, but I'm like, you had a chance to do something here and you wasted it. For, for a cheap joke. And I was just like, God, <laughs> just, I, I, I hate it. But uh, it's your turn, sir. Um, okay. Uh, I guess it's, we, we, you know, basically covered all that we would need to possibly cover on um, Raw. Uh, I, I guess, let, let, let's talk about this Dynamite. Um, this, this is also a, a very draggy show. It's not Raw bad. I, I, to be, to be 100% clear, Nowhere, like, bad Dynamite is nowhere near as bad as bad Raw. Correct. Uh, But when Dynamite is bad, it is quite lousy. I would Uh, call it formulaic, not bad. I mean, it was mediocre, I would say. Did you think it was actively bad? uh, I I guess maybe actively bad is is saying too much. But, like, I I mean, Draggy is all get out. Um, let me I, let me get to the good things that I liked in it, and then we can criticize it because that's what you kind of do with notes for actors. You give I mean, them basically. The good. T- let's talk about like Ray Phoenix versus Dante Martin was good. Yes, I thought William Morrissey was fantastic. I think I think the only problem with him was he was kind of working the crowd as a baby face. But I loved that Wardlow match. I did. I thought him and Wardlow had a nice mean guy. Match. I really liked. I liked the way that match ended in yes, particular. One power bomb. It kind of protects Morrissey. No, no, it, it, more than that. That Wardlow had to use a moonsault. Now, it was not the best looking. I, so it's like, there were certain things about that match that were very good that I think compensated for the other things about that match that were not very good. Okay. Um, and, and, and it was, like, largely outweighed. But uh, in particular, um, I like the deployment of the moonsault, not necessarily the execution of said moonsault. Um, and then one power bomb. Like, the, the finishing spot was great. It, yeah. Wardlow needed to use the heavy artillery on Morrissey um you can get over the idea that like for bigger dudes the reason you kind of counterintuitively because normally it like you'd think oh wow it you know pinning a big guy is hard but if you can actually slam a big guy the weight of said big guy is so impactful to the big guy that once you slam them they stay down I I like that narratively and I I thought that that was well deployed uh I I really did um and the uh, one other positive I had was I thought the Adam Page promo was pretty good. You know, it was funny. I was about to say the Hangman Page thing. I thought I thought Page starting to set up that you know like some heelishness was good. Um, was or some heelishness was good. The Bret um, Hart masturbatory match got a crack out of me. I love that line. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. And now to the not so good. <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr. and Julia Hart. Anybody? I mean, you know, I feel bad for Brian Pillman Jr. It's like, you know, he's supposed to draw sympathy, but like with the stupidest crap. Every time they have him out there, 
trying to draw maximum sympathy. It's like over unbelievably dumb stuff the fans don't care about. No one cares about the Julia Hart storyline. Um, I don't think they, insofar as they care about it, they want her to turn heel. Yes, uh, and, now, and now they're just delaying it again with that bad, and they thought that, that they want to cheer the House of Black. And they're bullying a woman, so they were just like, well, we're not going to boo this because we like those guys. So it didn't get the heat it was supposed to get. Right. No, I, and sucked. It sucked. And, and honestly, like, the worst thing for the Varsity Blondes, in my opinion, was the part where who came out to make the save was like yeah, Penta. The Death Triangle The Death them. Triangle. Y'all totally cucked him. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, the same thing with Julia. I, I, in my head, you know, if you're writing it at this point after this scene, Julia Hart... It, the way I would look at this is she stared into the abyss and now she gets pulled back slowly, but she, you know, yes. she has changed. She does have a dark streak about her, but she's ultimately still good, albeit slightly scarred from this. But like at this point, after that, I can't hit Griff Garrison with the chair moment. It's n- oh, that's they, so, that was they, they may go, okay, now let's have her hit Griff Garrison with the chair. It's not going to hit. It's not, I mean, it's going to save her from the darkness. Who's kiss. Is it uh, going to, is it going to be Ray Phoenix or Griff Garrison? That's my question. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, that, that's really the thing is uh, it's like at this point, almost maybe more narratively satisfying would be Julia Hart leaves the varsity blondes and aligns herself with the death triangle. Let's it, talk about the women in AEW because Woo. I love the women in AEW. I hate their presentation. Yet another one of these ridiculous Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, Ruby Riot, vignettes. This is for AEW. Back. It's becoming the stare at the television from the side of yes. the wall meme for WWE. It's like these four women frozen in amber every week, thawed out to have yet another stiff interaction. Cut promos as opposed to do this crap. Just let them get over. Because this is and the, the catering jokes again. And we're just, I, I can't. I, I, moving on, we get this Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb thing, which starts out okay. And then it turns into, we're standing there, we have to switch gears from respecting each other to hating each other. And this would have worked as a filmed vignette as well. More yeah, than no, they, they, they should have filmed this because, because Rosa was so committed to staying hard on script. It was just when she was all... interrupting Serena Deeb during when Serena was trying to, yeah, you tell me you do. Yeah. She was interrupting those little, those little moments in there. Like, I realize I've been doing it with you a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, and, and killing it, yeah. her flow absolutely killed Serena Deeb's flow in any way. I, it was it, killing the flow. The the heavily scripted nature of this did not yes. come off as believable. Yeah, it didn't come off as um, they were really cutting promos on each other. It, it did off come as, off as authentic. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, the whole. I used to drive up to go and see Serena D. Bressel thing. Even if that is true or whatever, I feel like every time we hear stories like this, especially when it's like 10 years ago, you know, I used to drive. All you're saying about the other person is that they're old. That's true. I didn't think about that. And it's not like Thunder Rosa is young. Right. No, I I, I, I know. I, I, 
friends. This would be like one of my friends I mean, telling me. she's younger me, than me, but everybody's yeah, No, I know, but like, like, it'd be like one of my friends, you know, uh, who's like 33 saying, oh, you know, I used to drive out and see you play, Chris. I'd be like, I'm 36. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Man, <laughs> I was a kid, Chris, you could really rip it. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I remember when you were at your prime in your 30s. I still am. <laughs> like, like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then they decide to end. And I, I look, I liked the match. But Deanna Perrazzo versus Mercedes Martinez for the Ring of Honor Women's World title. When you have other women's programs for your titles that aren't hot, it's Ring of Honor when everybody paid to go see AEW. I know that it's in Baltimore. I know it's in their home city. This crowd could not have given less of a crap about this match. And it died. And they worked hard, but it died. It was, it just felt like, and and it ended on that it ended on this match and it's like okay at least have rick there if you can and look i'm not the biggest rick fan i think he, he has way too much he has way too much drive time dj where he's never emotionally affected by a match but he always has that smooth delivery here playing the hits on 92.7 wuva that, that kind of thing going um <laughs> But it's it it was no I, I, I think I that, that that's them. important I felt for though. Diana, I felt for Mercedes Martinez. I I think it's really important if you're going to do these Ring of Honor things, you have a different announce team or someone to come out to do the play by play who's like the Ring of Honor play by play guy. I think it creates a point of delineation. Excalibur is totally happy and comfortable riding shotgun along with somebody. But I, th- I think if you're going to make Ring of Honor still feel like its own brand, you need to have their own call team for it. When you have like Jim Ross and Excalibur, all these guys. Oh, Jim I- Ross had some had some moments of just burying stuff that you're just like, I mean, he even buried the, the Wu-Tang uh, documentary. Oh, that should be exciting television. Even though, even though he might've been trying to say it's exciting television, it came off as snarky. No, it came off as snarky. And the worst part about that is, I don't know. That actually looks like a pretty decent documentary potentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. right. He made another crack when the lights went off. He made crack. You I don't even have to be a fan of Wu Tang Clan to think that that documentary is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like it's just like an Mark interesting. Mark an interesting individual. He's, he's an yeah, well, okay, like, like he's an interesting, compelling villain type guy. But like the whole idea of like buying like a secret, you know, like like it just it has the MacGuffin quality. Yes, to it, it does. It, yeah, yeah, I just yeah, he was yeah, he was like, off like, all like, night. But I I don't look. I I get you're wanting to raise, elevate women's wrestling, and you're wanting to elevate ROH. But doing both at once on your main event, this was this was nobody nobody who pays a ticket for AEW is there to see ROH. Well, He's wanting making... wanting to do something and doing it are not the same thing. Yes. And you can have the intention, a, a very well placed, good, heartfelt, good faith intention to do something, and also fall way short of it because the actual executing or execution plan is not very strong. He has gone from being everybody saying it's a mid south type of influence that he wanted. Now it's definitely a late aughts, early tens Ring of Honor promotion. It really is. I mean, not just talent wise, but style wise, program wise. ROH not a big promo company, more of a we're gonna do great matches in the ring and show athletes. Yeah. Great matches. Like, great matches. Equal compelling stories was, was very much so like, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Very much the ring of honor. And look, I think a lot of 
the the strong good faith nature of those crowds um, on the big shows and stuff really helped Ring of Honor compensate for okay weak storytelling. Yeah, but you could tell everyone in that house is one hundred percent emotionally invested in Jay Lethal's match tonight. It doesn't matter that yeah. there wasn't much of a story leading up to whatever this Jay Lethal title offense is. Yeah, and um, there wasn't much of that going on on Rampage to be honest with you. With, yeah, with- I, I, so it's just like I I, I think. It is a real problem because while Dynamite feels like a big show, like I would never say that it feels like an indie show, like the production is great. Yes. Um, the, there's a emotional distance that I feel like we have with a lot of like angles and like certain storylines and stuff, um, that I, I find myself nostalgic for like the way, like NWA power um, had this sort of intimacy. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I, I, it felt like it got to know these characters better um, on the good weeks. And the characters we do know, I mean, they, I mean, Jeff Hardy looked terrible. In that God, I, I, I mean, he was dragging. I mean, he was dragging by the end of that match and you're just like, Oh my God. I know. Bobby I know. Fish did his best, and Bobby Fish is only two years younger than the guy. I mean, no, was... but you you just I mean, and, and the uh, the the worst part of that was uh, when he did the whisper in the wind, and it just like basically looked like he did a corkscrew heel kick to Bobby yeah. Fish's head. Yeah. Like I, I I was amazed, Bobby Fish. I I had to watch it twice, and maybe I maybe I what I imagined in my head was more brutal than it, it looked. Like Fish basically got kicked in the head by. Yeah, and I'm thinking fish. Okay, receipt, mother effer. <laughs> yeah, it, it, th- 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 that's what you saw too, right? Like he yeah. basically just took like a corkscrew kick to the head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I know. I and, and then he gets duffel bagged by uh, Jeff Hardy's uh, what he calls a swanton bomb yeah. these days, but oh but it's more like the the, the uh, flipping duffel bag. It's to save my spine. Yeah. Man. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna du- yeah, I'm duffel bagging you. I, I'm yeah. just I'm just landing hard right on your abs, asshole. Yeah, I mean, like Darby and and Swerve was good for was, but it was an angle match. Um, you know, I mean, other than that, let me get to uh, something the, I love. The AFO, oh the AFO was like nothing. Oh. You know, like that that match. I, the Blackpool Combat Club is quickly just sort of like devolved into the by the numbers sort of thing. Like, yeah, I, what Road, this needs- Road Warriors start. Wheeler gets a bunch of moves. Yep. Brian gets gets come in do some stuff. Mox gets to wreck some stuff. All six people in the ring at once with the faces getting the beat down and Wheeler getting the win. And really what I'm starting to recognize this as is, is just like a way for them to fill time and suck up time by doing three different entrances. Um, like the Blackpool Combat Club entrance is fairly lengthy yes. because you have the Yuta entrance then the Danielson entrance, then the Moxley entrance. It was like the Becky Lynch entrance from Raw, which took like eight minutes because they were playing video packages in between her coming in and then actually going to the next person. Yeah, it was- yeah it's just this like massive time suck. Um, and, and to me, like what these stories need to be at this point is each week, Yuta has a singles match and like one week, Danielson's mentoring him and the next week, Moxley's mentoring him and each one of them is training or trying to focus in on a different aspect of Yuta's personality to develop and hone. Defy Wild Ones. I watched this on Saturday on Pluto Live. It's available on video on demand on Defy's website. Go watch the tag team match between the Bollywood Boys and C4. It was great. The Bollywood Boys are such a good team. They really are, and they love wrestling, and you can tell. 
but that main event between Moxley and Tom Lawler hose me, baby. That thing was what I wanted in a wrestling match. It was, it was guys hitting each other hard. It was bloody. It was brutal. It was a fight and it was magnificent. Moxley letting Lawler be an honorary member of the Blackpool Combat Club, an ally. I forgot what it was, a tertiary member, but man, that was a good way to spend Saturday night for me, considering I didn't go out. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I, I can't highly recommend that enough. Um, if you like, if you like mean guy matches, that Moxley Lawler match was something that seems like the kind of stuff that Moxley came back to do. Yeah, uh, so you, you described this match to me. sounded good. Um, I, I just I have, I haven't. No, that's not uh, uh, You're up. Um, okay, so then I guess let's talk about the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. <laughs> okay. Uh, God. He's a wizard now because he shot a fireball. Yeah, oh, is that? It, that okay. They got that over. They got, that's the other thing they did on Rampage this week is, is, the fact that he used flash paper well, no, no, makes he, him a wizard. He got beat up at the he got beat up at the announce desk by uh by uh, uh one half of proud powerful. Oh, Ortiz, I'm guessing. No, not Ortiz, the other one. Santana, the other Santana, one. Santana, thank you. The one who lost. Yes. Okay. Um <laughs> in that match. Yeah, so so they so they do this and Jericho's still on commentary, but he's really ramped up, you know, the annoying heel stuff this time. Uh and he's like, I, I shot, uh, you know, I, that's why I burned Eddie Kingston. I'm, you know, I can shoot fire. I'm a wizard. And so now he's the wizard, Chris Jericho. No, he was already saying that on, uh, on dynamite. Yeah. He, so. well, he was also the influencer. You remember he's dropped uh, that now. I believe I, I, I look, the guys, it, he, he's he, a walking WWE machine, and I kind he, of he, appreciate. No, he 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 is both a walking WWE machine and like a walking middle aged like midlife crisis, yes. where like every week you're trying something new. Yeah. Um, you've got your friends dressing like weird, so that like it may be kind of uh, like <laughs> your friends are trying to make trying to cover up for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the thing about that match with Santana was it was a sports entertainment match. And it was right to the gimmick. And it's kind of, you know, you, I mean, I know people can't appreciate the irony of that sometimes, but, uh, or whether it's planned or not, but that was pure WWE. Do the match with everybody hanging around ringside and then end up with a screw job finish and, and this feud must continue. Because, and baby faces have no friends. Right. No, I, I mean, in a weird way, it became this meta commentary on WWE, but I'm kind of with you. I don't know that they've realized that that's actually what ended up happening as the net result of this match. I think they booked this in their head one level below this, where this is a perfectly acceptable plot. Yeah. And that kind of speaks to Jericho's look. Um, he's done. He's got. He's had a very long career. I just write him off entirely. It would be ridiculous. But like, the, the, his inability to get out of his own way is well documented at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was my turn again. Uh, I'll go to NXT real quick. Say two things I really liked about Spring Breakout, and then dump on NXT UK. Uh, Nathan Frazier and uh, Grayson Waller was fantastic. Just, just a great match. Loved it. Loved it. Got. Don't know if it did as much for Nathan Frazier as I would have liked to on a debut, but man, that was a fun match to watch. And then the uh, North American three-way was uh, 
Carmelo is 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 growing. I like that. Uh, look, we already and and so uh, Sokoa is is already good. You knew he would be, and of course, um, I always I always call uh, rich guy hillbilly. Chris Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is always fantastic. Crowd kind of turned on him a bit here because they, I know they wanted Sokoa. They really uh, like Sokoa. Yeah, they this this they really like the the Uso. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I, I really, I really like that. I, I got to tell you, Sakoa's not bad, but he's not good. Right. Speaking, he, he's just there. Speaking of bad, this week's NXT UK I did watch while we were waiting because we had to record on Saturday. Dude, this was the week where Lash Legend and Von <laughs> Wagner and Baby Stevenson make their arrival. We had a 10-minute Lash Legend Supernova Sessions. We had Shaw Samuels and Baby Stevenson getting into it. And then we had this World of Darkness match with Mako Satomura and Isla Dawn, which was basically an anything-goes match with the lights turned off and fog machines. Unbelievable. Like, the the huh. just the premise of a World of Darkness match. Like, you've heard of a dark match. How about a match literally in the dark? Yeah. Just... Uh, guys, you know how much everyone always speaks fondly of the Jake the Snake blindfold match from WrestleMania years ago? What if the whole crowd could have been blindfolded during that match? How exciting would that have been? <laughs> everybody else is in the world of darkness and they can't watch the match they just have to judge by sound <laughs> by sound it's a, it's a helen keller <laughs> the helen Eddie keller world title yeah i just God, i want that because that's such a cringely bad idea that i want someone to do that now i want like game changer wrestling to have the audience blindfold itself and do a world of darkness match <laughs> and the match oh. is happening in the ring and the wrestlers are calling out what they're doing to each other i'm about to close on you <laughs> so <laughs> free mako satamura please free her from these bonds because she is so good still i mean she was great in this match carrying isla dawn who stinks i'm sorry to say that she's, she's... Uh, hawkins insisted i like isla dawn but you I, used I don't do you like i i did not i did not I, that's never actually been true i mean she's doing sports entertainment but man i'm just like god i cannot stand this thing um yeah so that was sad to watch but um that's all i have for lazy river do you have anything else um you know like if, if we're talking just nxt real quick here um Man, I, I feel like NXT US, the only thing worth watching on this show at this point is like the Creeds. Um, they're like, they're actually good. Um, Broad Breaker, I think, would be in that mix. Um, like, you know, like, look, theoretically, Broad Breaker and the Creeds as a trio or a faction would be very interesting to me. I think that would, <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. Um, not necessarily in this company, but like, those three guys would be cool. Um, I, you know, Roxanne Perez is good, but like Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, stinky. This Roxanne Perez and Wendy Chu gimmick with Toxic Attraction was ridiculous and it horrible. Was. I, I and horrible. Like Wendy Chu, though. I do. It's just, but it was just, just not funny. Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And it was it wasn't, just. Yeah. Although JC Jane was trying. JC Jane was trying in this to be a good sketch 
comic person. She she was saying like little one-liners and stuff. Like if you caught like some of her one-liners, yes. those were funny. And her reaction was great too. As opposed yeah. to Gigi and and and, and but yeah, I, she's. It, it's sad because she's the one that I view as most likely to get cut out of this trio, and she's the and, and she's one the one who I think is the best she's one the, by by one a cons- right. Yeah, no, you know, Gigi Dolan's a look, but we just have never seen anything from her in the ring. And JC Jane, um, she's good. She's yeah. got a personality. She's good in ring worker. A little uh, you awkward know. at first with the sexy gimmick, but now now she no I, now I, she settled into now she's just like got a little bit of an edge. Yeah, works totally like works. It. Yeah, I yeah, like I do too. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, God, every, Joe Gacy every, has druids, Chris, how can we talk about this show? I know. Like, and, and like, did anyone in the world think Joe Gacy had a chance of getting this title off of Braun Breaker? <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's just you. I may watch impact next week instead. I may just, I, no, I, I know. I've been having the same reaction where like, I, I find myself, because I know how bad, like, Raw and NXT are now, really putting them off until we get closer to tape time. Yeah. Like, like they, they are... I forget so much, too, as you can tell. No, no, they, they have, they're they very forgettable. That, that, no, so they, they have regularly been, uh, just, just a little inside baseball, they've regularly moved to, like, Thursday night slash Friday morning viewing, like, while I'm watching, like, drinking coffee or whatever. Like, I, I so, I used to watch them... Later after they tape both nights, you know, like watch them like, you know, it, you know, without the commercials. Um, n- now it's like, dude, I, it's not like, oh man, can't wait to fire up NXT in an hour. I'm like, God, I have to watch NXT. Like, I, 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 it is, it is definitively work for me. And, and worse still, I, I find myself just throwing it on in the background. Yes. Um, which is the most. And so when, dip- it's t- when it's time to talk about it you're like oh i had it on in the background i don't remember anything well, yeah but then like it's the most damning indictment hawkins that i can basically have it on the background have have a level of because like, like what do you want me to do talk about the depth of the irish whips i mean i can do that i could talk about like the mechanics on each one of these clotheslines and that sort of thing but like i mean guys is nxt 2.0 the type of show where you want to actually get granular on like who's doing good irish whips or not no this is like this is a show you half-assedly watch uh, because nothing matters. People move in and out. These characters don't matter. Even when you see talent that you like, you don't trust that they're going to be continuously, sustainingly packaged in a way that you can rely on. Joe Gacy's a motivational speaker. Then he's got druids. The Creeds right now they're a wrestling team. You know they might become hillbilly cousins at some point. <laughs> It, 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 this is a show farmers they'll become farmers. oh my god i hope i should hope not i nothing nothing would disgust me more than to see julius and brutus creed repackaged as repugnant immoral rootless farmers <laughs> the scum of the earth farmers are i hope i should hope that brutus and julius don't face that fate god i hate farmers we'll leave it at that Thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsor, uh, HelloFresh. Get 16 free meals. No thanks to the farmers. Up to code by using code VOW16. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. I am Jeff Hawkins. You can follow my antics at CrapGame13 on the old interwebs Twitter. He is Chris Novembrino. You can follow him at DWATG. I am weekly on 
the Dynamite Show on Fight Game Media, their Patreon, patreon.com slash Fight Game Media. Five bucks a month. You get a lot of shows about a lot of different things, but we are part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. Listen to our shows, including the flagship with Joe and Rich, who Chris took a shot at, and I think now we're now we now someone has to die, probably me in a drive-by. Uh, five-star match game music of the mat with our friend andrew rich shout out to andrew always doing good work in addition to other shows about japanese wrestling stardom whatever your granular love of wrestling is voices of wrestling has a show for you in addition to posts on the website blogs by writers who are doing a lot of uh, a lot of in-depth stuff i just did a interview about improv and the guy's writing a article about kenta and his promos so that's going to make its way in eventually somewhere down the road but chris also has plugs to do as he does a show on politics called don't worry about the government yeah don't worry about the government was weekly i guess it's basically monthly at this point i think it's whenever he feels no 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 it's like it's it's really it has been dropping at like a real steady once a month clip here um i've got my friend sean frieder coming on on wednesday we're going to talk about a number of different subjects. Um, of course, reducing and slashing all agricultural subsidies and taxing all farmland at the rate of 100% will be one of the main topics of the show. Uh, that's, that's a selling point right there, man. <laughs> it's a new form of progressivism. It's kill all farmers. Um, no, we'll be talking about um, Ukraine. We'll be talking about, obviously, uh, the Supreme Court decision that's coming down the pike here. Um, slashing Roe versus Wade, where medical liberty stands in America going forward here. A lot of topics to talk about on the next show here. Um, Musk maybe buying Twitter or, like, I, I don't know, going to the most fascist governments in the world to get money to create a free space haven on the internet. So much to talk about, and don't worry about the government. You can check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and at patreon.com slash DW. See you next week.